Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Truth. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Are the Bible's prophecies today's reality? This could be the sign that signals the return of Christ. World leaders are working behind the curtains. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. Secret society. Secret oath. Now, get ready for an hour of truth that will make you think. We'll examine Bible prophecy and see how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ for His church. You're in the zone. Politics, Israel, the Middle East, the revised European superstate, and more. All in the zone. This is the Prophecy Zone with your host, Phil Armstrong. Good morning, good morning, good morning out there on the East Coast, West Coast, everywhere in the United States. I'd like to welcome our affiliates from uh, World Harvest Radio, WWCR, ACN in Spokane, Washington, Eastern Washington. We are here today to warn America, warn the world of the attendant judgment of Jesus Christ, and we're going to let you know the truth here at this ministry. God be willing. We will proclaim the gospel to the ends of the world. I'd like to welcome you out to the show. This is May 1st, 2010. We are heading towards pivotal times in this country. We need to pray. We need to get close to the Lord. We need to establish that relationship, and he will establish it back to us. The Bible says you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. We are self-willed agents, and we have the prerogative to go left or right or backwards or forwards. Most of us are going backwards. We need to ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives and give us the power and the strength to live in these last days, my friends. Um, I'd like to welcome WWCR. I, I, I think this is a door opening. God only can open doors. It says in Revelation, only God can open the doors, and no man can shut them. He can shut them, and no man can open. I also like to op- uh, welcome uh, uh, WWCR, Shortwave, and also in Eastern Washington, ACN. Um, we have a wonderful guest today. Uh, his name is Mike Riddle. Read some of his um, bio. This, uh, Mike holds a degree in mathematics and a graduate degree in education. He has been involved in creation ministry for more than 25 years. Prior to getting involved in creation ministry, Mike was a captain in the U.S. Marines and a national champion in track and field. Mike's teaching experience includes high school mathematics, the Northwest Graduate School of Ministry, Sunday school classes, the Institute for Creation Research Graduate School, and training and teacher training course. Mike also spent over 20 years in a computer field where he managed U.S. Sprint Worldwide Technical Training and Microsoft Worldwide Engineer Training. Mike uh, continually travels nationwide with Answers in Genesis lecturing and teaching on creation, apologetics, Christian education, science, evidence, and the develop, developing 
a biblical worldview. I uh, set in on Mike's uh, one of Mike's uh, lectures in Spokane, Washington. It was very awesome. I wrote and really enjoyed myself that day and learned a lot. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to go ahead and bring Brother Mike on. Mike? Well, good morning, Phil. How are you this morning? Pretty good. How are you doing? Just great. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I uh, wanted to start off. I want to go straight to the uh, the, the, the means of years of uh, the age of the earth. Uh, now, as far as the audience out there, some are Christian and some are not. So what, what we're going to do is we're going to take a slant at helping Christians uh, go out and defend their faith. So let's let's uh, uh, start at the creation. Uh, how how old is creation, and we'll go from there. Well, there there's two areas we can talk about there, Phil. One we can talk about the Bible, and then we can talk about the scientific evidence. Yeah. The Bible clearly teaches in Genesis chapter one that God created everything in six literal days. And there's not there's no real fudge room in there to uh, make anything different from that because one yeah. Genesis is written in narrative history format. It's not poetic. God also defines His days. He gives each day a number. You know, every time we see in the Old Testament a number used with the word day, it always means a day. And then, like I say, yeah. God defines His days, evening and morning. Yeah. And then, uh, so when we look at that and we look at the genealogies, it gives an age of the earth about. And I used the word about six thousand years. Also, the very words of Jesus Christ make that statement. Not the yeah. specific age, but we go to the Gospel of Mark, and this is very important. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 6, Jesus Christ states this, that from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. What Jesus is saying there is man and woman were on the planet from the beginning of the creation. Now, if we're believing in millions of years, then what we're saying is the words of Jesus Christ are not correct. And we have a real problem now with our Savior because he's not right all the time. Yeah. But one of the biggest issues is this. If this earth is really millions or billions of years old, the question is, what was going on for those millions of years before Adam and Eve? And that would be death. In other words, if you're believing in long ages, millions of years, you're actually teaching and believing in death before sin. Now yeah. we've just undermined the entire gospel of Jesus Christ. But that's what the Bible clearly teaches. Now what about the science? Well, what a lot of people don't understand is they, they see these billions of years in their books and the media and the press. Here's what they don't understand. Scientists cannot, and I emphasize, cannot prove the age of this earth. The, this is an historical event. All we're doing is looking at the evidence and interpreting that evidence based on our particular worldview or bias. What they also don't understand is when they do these dating methods, you can actually date the same rock five different methods and come up with five completely different ages. Those are all based on assumptions. But they also don't understand and don't see in our schools there's overwhelming scientific evidence that this earth is not very old. But that tends to be censored out of our textbooks. Let yeah, me give you the yeah. best example, carbon-14. Carbon-14, if it did work, it's only accurate, and we can demonstrate this uh, very easily, yeah. that it's only accurate up to a few thousand years. Because, yeah. again, there's a basic assumption involved, and that assumption's been proven false. But carbon-14 we find in living things. All living things have carbon-14 in them. Now, here's the key. 
after about 80,000 years, after something's been dead for about 80,000 years, now we're not saying the earth is that old. We have to do some extrapolation here. But after about 80,000 years, all the datable carbon-14, I emphasize datable carbon-14, should have decayed out of a specimen. Yes. So in coal, which is organic, according to evolutionist thinking, it's hundreds of thousands to millions of years old. It should contain no carbon-14. But recent yes. studies and verified studies and repeatable studies have shown samples of coal all over the United States and all up and down this geologic timescale still contain carbon-14. That is powerful evidence that that geologic time scale cannot be millions of years, but only thousands. But also, we went to diamonds, which are a very special kind of stone because they're made up of pure carbon. Diamonds, according to evolutionist worldview, are millions to billions of years old. They should contain no carbon-14. But yet, over and over again, we find carbon-14 in diamonds, which, again, is very powerful evidence that this whole idea of millions and billions of years cannot be true. Well, what we're using here is both what the Bible teaches and observable and repeatable science. Yes, indeed. Now, um, you can use that also to to talk about the flood, right? That's correct. Uh, A lot of people don't understand that when they buy into millions of years, not only are they teaching death before sin, but now they're saying the flood could not have been a worldwide flood. Mm. And the reason for that is the fossils. Evolutionists use index fossils to index into the strata to help determine the different ages of Earth history. So if we were to find a Tyrannosaurus rex fossil, for example, you'd immediately assume, based on evolution thinking, that the sediments you found it in are about 80 million years old, because that's when they believed Tyrannosaurus rexes lived, died, and would have been buried. But if there was a worldwide flood, when would most all those fossils have been buried? During the flood, one time period, not over millions and billions of years. So a belief in millions of years now discredits the worldwide flood to just a local flood. And incidentally, there is overwhelming evidence of a worldwide flood. For for example, what we find on top of every mountain range on this planet are seashells. And we don't find lakes on those seashells, which means they couldn't have walked up there. (laughs) All those mountains at that point in time in the history of this earth had to be covered with ocean water. Now, we know they weren't that tall back then, but they have risen very rapidly. Yes, Mount St. Helens in your own state there, Washington, gave mm-hmm. powerful evidence that long ages are not required. Large canyons were formed in a day. Yes. Many yes. layers of sediments were laid down in just a matter of uh, days. So long ages yes. really aren't required. Yes, I, I thought that was pretty amazing when you showed that in the in the course uh, and also the videotapes I have. <laughs> it's uh, kind of humorous when you really think about it. Um, what about Cain's um, uh, wife? Um. <laughs> Very good question. And I've seen this on the History Channel twice now, and both times the History Channel really didn't do their homework. They had very poor homework there. We have, Let's go back. we got Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, then eventually along comes Seth. So the question is, where did Cain get his wife? Well, the answer starts in the Bible. Genesis chapter 5, verse 4 says of Adam and Eve, and they had other sons and daughters. That word's plural. We don't talk about women very much in the Old Testament, but there it is, sons and daughters, plural. So what we're really saying is Cain most likely married his sister, a very close relation. Now, we're not allowed to do that today. It's called incest. Well, why is that against the law? It has to do with mutations. We all have a, a tremendous genetic load of mutations in us. 
and both mm-hmm. husband and wife had the same mutation, there's a high probability the children will be deformed. So we mm-hmm. don't allow you to marry a close relation to protect the children. But when we go mm-hmm. back to the Bible, when God finished his creation, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, he calls it very good, meaning perfect, no decay, no death. Yeah. But then comes the fall, sin, and God places a curse on his creation. And that's when mutations start coming in. But it wasn't till the book of Leviticus, chapter 18, about 2,500 years after creation, 2,500 years of accumulating mutations because of sin, that God, not man, God first made the rule not to marry your close relation. So it was yeah. not incest back then. It was perfectly fine because the children would be fine. Yeah. So the, yeah. the Bible does have answers. Yeah, I um, have a biology class. Go figure. I don't. I'm pretty sure that was God ordained because I have not. I, I forgot all about you had. Uh, uh, they had plans for you to come to the church. So I just take biology for some reason. And I remember my wife was saying that yeah, then. She was a strong defender that biology, uh, the education system, even in college, does not teach against anything. They just kind of neutral. So I said, okay, I'll buy that. So I'm sending class, like, for the first two classes, I was fine. She's a really nice teacher, though. So but the third or fourth class, she started kind of putting in little bitty uh, subliminal messages that they're is no creator. So yesterday, a couple of days ago, I was sitting in class and uh, I was sort of not paying attention to her. I mean, I was paying attention to her, but she was talking. So I was trying to read something and she was talking about uh, uh, the the second law of ferrodynamics um, as far as um, you getting chaos to organize itself in reverse. Yeah. I mean, and she was talking about the proof that there is no God or is not a God. And I said, how are you going to get there is no God out of reverse, out of out of something that is chaotic to transform itself into something that is organized? And even the book said that. It's, it's, it's even the, 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 the biological book said that it's ridiculous to believe that a, a, a bunch of semen and concrete and sand can create a house. Out of nothing. That's exactly right. The second law is actually a very powerful testimony against evolution. Because yeah. uh, you, you have to have the second law invoked uh, in order to get life, but the second law would prohibit life from occurring. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that's crazy. What about dinosaurs? Oh, that's a very popular question. Uh, thank you for, for asking that one, Phil. The, the question becomes, how do you fit dinosaurs into the Bible? Well, first of all, we're not supposed to fit things in the Bible. The Bible's already complete. So the, yeah. they, they, like, the way I like to ask the question is, what does the Bible teach about dinosaurs? And then we'll talk about the scientific evidence also. Because what we find out is science is good. We never discredit science. See, God yeah. created all the scientific principles, and science will always support God's word. It's, uh-huh. What is wrong is man's faulty interpretation of science called evolution. That's yeah. where we have the problem. So science is very good. But when we read Genesis chapter 1, on day 6 of creation, God made the land animals and people. And guess what? Dinosaurs were land animals. So the Bible right there teaches dinosaurs and people lived at the same time. Then we can go to the book of Job. Job chapter 40, verses 15 through 18. God's talking about a creature called behemoth. 
and he describes this creature as a plant eater, which rules out an alligator because alligators eat people. So they're meat eaters. So this is not an alligator. Then he says he's got bones like bars of iron, big bones, and then he's got a tail like a cedar, which is a big tree. Then yeah. finally God says he's the chief of the ways of God. Maybe indicating this is one of the largest creatures. Now, I read a lot of Bibles, a lot of different Bibles, and the sad part is a lot of people go to the commentary to determine what the Bible teaches. But I want to caution you. The commentary is not the inspired word of God, and it can be wrong. Because a lot of commentaries will call this creature a hippopotamus. That's really an embarrassment. This creature had a large tail. Elephants and hippopotamuses don't have large tails. And this creature's got bones like bars of iron. That is a very good description of a dinosaur, something like maybe an apatosaurus. Very good description. (laughs) Now, we look at the scientific evidence. We find cave wall paintings called petroglyphs all over the world of creatures that exactly resemble dinosaurs and no other creature. Now, here's what's so important about that. Modern scientists did not know what dinosaurs were until the 1800s. We have found bones, but we didn't know what they were. The word dinosaur was not even invented until 1841. So anything, any description of dinosaurs before the 1800s is good evidence. People had to see them. We find drawings all over the world. We have now found dinosaur bones. This was not found by creationists. We have found dinosaur bones that contain soft, elastic tissue. Dinosaur tissue is still on those bones. This has been well verified. It's been found on more than one dinosaur now. There's no known explanation how soft tissue can survive for millions of years. That really destroys the whole evolution story that dinosaurs died out 65 million years ago. So that is not even a credible science that say they did that. Yeah. What about them turning into birds? (laughs) Turning into birds. Well, here's the challenge I give. For everybody out there listening, here's the challenge. I want you to flap your arms for the rest of your life, just like a bird. You can even eat some bird seed if you want to really get into this. Will you ever grow feathers? And the answer is no. And small reptile dinosaurs jumping off trees or running around, flapping their arms, will not grow feathers either. Why? It does not affect the DNA of the reproductive system. Nothing will ever be inherited. And people aren't understanding that. What they don't understand, these pictures they're seeing in textbooks, they are drawn by artists. And every example they've come up with that they found feathers or feather-type impressions on dinosaurs has been shown to be a fraud, every one of them. What they don't understand is there's actually no mechanism for a dinosaur turning into bird. Mutations do not do that. Mutations do not add genetic information. They tend to lose information because things go downhill. And natural selection doesn't help either. It can only select what's already there. It never adds anything. So that's yeah. just pictures and a story somebody made up. Yeah, indeed. What about um, does uh, the distant starlight prove the Earth is old? The distant starlight. So that is a that is a very big issue. The first thing I like to ask is is I like to use Jesus as my model because he was the master teacher. Nobody's ever taught better than him. And one of the methods he used when he's challenged with a question, he will ask a question. So when people ask me about distant starlight, my first form to answer that question is, I will tell you how that starlight got here as soon as you will tell me where your light source came from called where did the stars come from. You see, nobody has ever, ever seen a star evolve. 
Nobody's ever seen a star form. We see them explode called supernovas, but no one has ever observed one to form. And when we look at the, uh, the physics, and you can do this in a physics 101 class, because here's the typical answer for how stars form. We get these great big gas and dust clouds that they're called nebula, and they rotate around and around. And as they rotate around, they begin to gravitationally collapse inward and over hundreds of thousands of years form a star. Well, that's not science. That's wishful thinking. That's never, ever been observed. You see, as that cloud of dust called the nebula does collapse inward, it will do that. But as it does so, it generates heat pressure. And you can measure this. The heat pressure is always stronger than the gravity and will cause that cloud to expand outwards. So scientifically, we really don't have any positive evidence for how stars form. But we have to go to the Bible to find the answer. And he made the stars also. But there are some... Now, now how did that light get here? We have possible answers. And one of those is based on Einstein's and theories and time dilation. And that's a tough one to go through over the phone. Uh, yeah. We have it on our web. We have answers on our website for that. But we have, a, yeah. incidentally, yeah, you, we have a PhD one, astrophysicist on our staff. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and give your um, website for Answers and Genesis and all your information so people can go and research more? Okay. It's www.answersingenesis.org. That's answersingenesis.org. And we have thousands of articles you can download for free on there, written by many scientists and uh, theologians. So it's a great, helpful tool. But the other thing on the distance start I like to point out is the evolutionists okay. have a bigger problem than we do about dust and starlight. And that is not being taught in the classrooms. So they're going around ridiculing other people and not even understand their own problem called the horizon problem. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, what, one more question that I, I would like to um, go over real quick is uh, natural selection. Is that the same as evolution? No. Uh, thank you for bringing that one up because it's often taught as part of the evolutionary process. And what they are not being taught is the selection process. See, where's, here's what's supposed to happen. We get a beneficial mutation. Incidentally, there are very few, if any, known beneficial mutations. Most all are harmful or, or neutral. But you're supposed to get a beneficial mutation. Then through the selection process, we select just that mutation and deselect all the other ones that provided that function. But the yeah. geneticists know full well that's not how selection works. Selection never works at the individual nucleotide or mutation level. It always works at the entire organism level. Yeah. Now, here's the problem. If we're accumulating detrimental mutations at a rate of about 10,000 detrimental to every potential beneficial one, and we're always selecting at the entire organism level, what are we accumulating the fastest? For every good one we select, we're selecting 10,000 more detrimental ones. So what's really happening to the species? It's going down. And natural selection, here's the great question I like to ask. Where did natural selection get its ability to intelligently select just good mutations? That's never been answered in tech. Where did that intelligence come from? Yeah. Uh, so there's some major problems. And selection, natural selection is a fact. That's no problem. We know it's a fact. We see it all the time. The selection process does work. But it is not evolution. And that's where some faulty teaching is done. We need to get back to teaching good science in the classroom. Now, here's a statement yeah. I like to make for all those Christians out there. We are not advocating teaching the Bible or creation in the science classroom in public schools. We're not for that. Because we'd have a lot of teachers not understanding it, trying to teach, or a lot of teachers who don't want to teach it. 
What yeah. we do want is all the scientific evidence taught and allow students to do critical thinking and about these issues. That's what yeah. we want, and that's not what's being allowed in our public schools today. Exactly. See, we're all exactly. for the science. We want it all taught, not just yeah. selected pieces. Yeah. We like to have God's uh, creation uh, study. I think we're going to be doing that in eternity anyways. That's right. We will find the Bible is full of answers. We have nothing to yes, fear. Sir. The Bible is full of answers, starting in the verse, in the beginning God created all the way through Jesus Christ, his, his death and resurrection to the very last verse in the Bible. It is our yes, authority on all issues. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'd like to have you again in a couple of weeks. This is going to be airing. You'll be the first show. It'll be next Sunday at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on the, uh, World Harvest Radio. And I have to put out the rest of the times for the other uh, networks. But thank you very much. God bless you. Have a safe trip, too. Thank you, and God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, wonderful uh, interview by Answers in Genesis, Mike Riddle. I'd like to get him on again in the future. I like to talk real quickly about the uh, Middle East. Uh, uh, boiling points are all over the place. Uh, earthquakes also I'd like to uh, reminisce on just how wonderful God is and how divine the Word of God is uh, to tell the future before it happens. And, um, see, that is the great thing about God's Word. He tells things before it happens. And... Um, when I go to the bookstore and I see 2012, it it really rattles my brain how even Christians are falling into the trap of 2012. And if 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 a lot of my brothers and sisters can count, we will realize that 2012 has to be a misnumber now, especially those who are in Bible prophecy. We have to realize that it is a misnumber because the tribulation period is seven years. And we're at 2010. So what does that tell you about? It can possibly, it cannot possibly be the middle of the tribulation period because that's three and a half years. 2010 plus three and a half years would take you to 2013. And it possibly could be the beginning of the tribulation period, but who knows? We don't know. Uh, but I do know this. Uh, stay tuned for the next show. Uh, we're going to have. Uh, a, a wonderful guest, Daniel Matson. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, 2010 to 2017, the possible time for the tribulation period. We're not setting dates, but we are uh, warning. And and what we need to realize is the mechanics of somebody walking down the uh, your 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 walkway and, and coming to your house on Thanksgiving. You know, the grandpa's here. What did the kids holler out? Grandpa's here. He hasn't even came in the house yet. Okay, he's at the door. Okay, so that tells me that when we get ready to, when Jesus Christ gets ready to come, there's going to be a lot of things going on at that time. And uh, people think that he, the rapture is going to happen with no warning. I, I, I'm going to talk to you all on a future show about Bible prophecy, about Psalms 83, Ezekiel 38 and 39, Isaiah 17. And uh, 
we're going to prove to y'all that there's going to be a whole lot of things going around, going on at the same time as the rapture of the church. But we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. What you just heard was an actual recording of my daughter's heartbeat within my womb. And ever since my husband Jeff saw our moving, active, vibrant daughter by way of live ultrasound image and heard her precious heartbeat within the womb, he's been horrified that we as a society legally kill our children at this stage of life. As a society, we legally kill our children. This is the greatest human rights issue of our day. To join in the conversation, Fridays, 9 to 11, visit WeKillChildren.org and find the show. That's WeKillChildren.org. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're listening to the Prosperity Zone on Talk Radio. Uh, yes, indeed, we're back. If you love the, if you like this show, uh, please uh, help us out. Or send a donation. We uh, need your wonderful contributions to stay on the air. That um, God has provided us a way to warn the world of impending uh, judgment that's coming upon this earth. We we care about our neighbors. We care about our friends, and then that's one of the things that God told us to love our neighbors ourselves. So we want to proclaim that right um, to go across the world, that door that was open, and no one can stop you, not even the devil. He'll try, but he will not prevail. Thank you so much for listening to this program today. Um, We're going to be coming to you all again. Uh, If you're on Blog Talk Radio, stay tuned on the second Half. We've got a wonderful guest. He's wrote a book called Signs of the End Time. God bless everybody. Have a wonderful day. Prophecies, today's reality. This could be the sign that signals the return of Christ. World leaders are working behind the curtains. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. Secret societies, secret oaths. 
secret proceedings. Now, get ready for an hour of truth that will make you think. We'll examine Bible prophecy and see how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ for His church. You're in the zone. Politics, Israel, the Middle East, the revised European superstate, and more. All in the zone. This is the Prophecy Zone with your host, Phil Armstrong. Hello, America. Hello, America. Welcome to the Prophecy Zone. This is Phil Armstrong. Today we have a wonderful guest. He's wrote a book called The Signs of the End. His name is Daniel Daniel Madison, and we are so happy to have him on today. First 2010, last year, we had a little uh, demonic attack on that introduction. That's why I kind of stopped on his name. It's not in. <laughs> I stopped dead on his name because it was, I don't know what that was, but uh, sometimes the devil comes and attacks in weird ways. Um, we are attending. Times that we live in, uh, Israel seems to be becoming a burdensome stone to the whole world. Everybody is after Israel nowadays. Uh, Israel can't do anything right, it seems like, to the global body. Jordan's uh, King Abdullah, and I'm not reading any ads or anything, but he is saying that there's going to be a war in the Middle East, Egypt also. The Bible says that there should be wars and rumors of wars. Uh, and I've always thought this. If you listen to some of my past shows, I've always believed that it's like shaking up a soda. Have you shake up a soda? Well, before you shake up a soda, it's okay. But when you start to, if you drop the soda and pick it up, it might be still okay. But when you really start to shake it up, if you open it up, it explodes everywhere. Well, that's what's going on right now. Um, from 1948, to 2018, a generation is 70 years. If you look at uh, Psalms 90, it talks about a generation being 70 years. And um, as far as the generation running out, you can only fit one more seven in there. That means the tribulation period cannot start in 2011. And this is just me. This is not my next next guess. It could. I could be wrong. But um, the generation would not pass until... The seven years of tribulation is fitted fitted into the tri- uh, generation. So may uh, I'm also a fall feast person. I believe the fall feasts are very important. I think that Jesus Christ's first coming would be was articulated by the spring feast, and I believe his uh, second coming will be articulated by the fall feast. And I believe when Jesus gave parables of the summer putting forth his leaves. And in the fall, you reap your reward. I believe that September, October will be the start of the tribulation period, and September, October will be the end of the tribulation period seven years later. So that being said, May May 14, 1948 to 2018, May 14, does not, it, it, it falls in the spring. So it has to end in the fall. So that's backing us up to 2010 to 2017. 
That's the only way you can fit it in there. Now, I'm not being my dogmatic, no. But uh, I, from the signs I see, uh, things are hot. <laughs> things are only going to get hotter. Well, I'm going to bring my next guest on here. Um, Daniel is a graduate from um, Multnomah Bible College in the seminary in Port. That's a seminary in Portland, uh, Oregon. He also went to Oregon and got a, a bachelor's of arts degree in theology and a master's degree in biblical studies. And he lives in Kennewick, Washington. And this book I've read, I've gotten. I saw a guy on um, on, um, on YouTube. His name is Sandy Armstrong. He he was pretty much giving Daniel a lot of acclaim for his book. And I read his book, and it's an awesome book. Um, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit more. Let me bring him on. How you doing, brother? Doing good. How are you doing? <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Welcome to the show. Um, I was telling the audience about your 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 book. Um, I, I uh, thought it was very um, life changing. It gets you serious about what's at hand and what God's purpose is for your life when you read something like that. And the thing is, is that I understand there were revisions, but at the same time, how do you keep discipline to the time period at hand? I mean, that you put in this book is, is beyond me. Uh, well, let's talk about the book. Um, let's talk about how um, you got you came across um, some of the material um, to write this book. How did you come across the idea that the tribulation period may start in 2010 and go into 2017? Um, I think the the idea of the book first began in, in uh, eight years ago, and I had read a lot of books, probably like yourself. I read Hal Lindsey, Chuck Missler, Grant Jeffrey, and and they had a lot of good material in their books, and I, I felt like it needed to go further because one some of the key things they had found out uh, was if you go from the time to the Babylonian captivity when Nebuchadnezzar takes the you know Israel captive for uh, I should say the southern kingdom of Judah for seventy years and then and then Jerusalem's destroyed for seventy years it's two separate seventy year periods well they had taken when the Jews returned from Babylon the people they had calculated that two thousand five hundred twenty biblical years the so three hundred sixty day years brought you from 537 B.C. when they returned to Israel to 1948 when Israel was reestablished. And I thought that was phenomenal. And then when Jerusalem, the 70 years of desolation in Jerusalem ended, if you go that same period of 2,523 60-day years, you came to 1967. And we have the Six-Day War, and Israel takes control of Jerusalem for the first time. And those are very significant. I went back further and looked. And that was one of the key that started the book. And um, um, I should go back here. One of the keys also having to to get the book writing was um, in Daniel we have day counts, and in Revelation we have day counts, 1,260 days, 1,290 days, 1,335 days. And before I had come, really got the book rolling, I'd come to the conclusion on how these days could be arranged with the fall feast days, hinging uh -huh. on Yom Kippur. And yeah. 
so by knowing when these days would land according to a Jewish calendar, um, it gave me a grid on what to anticipate. Well, when Israel was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, if you go 2,520 just regular years, solar years, you come to 1914, and that's the start of World War One. Uh-huh. And to me, that was, yes, yes. <laughs> so, but if you, 1914, World War One started on the ninth of Av. Well, to me, the lights went off because the ninth of Av is the day that Israel's uh, temples were both destroyed in 70 A.D. and in 587 B.C. And there's a lot of other, you know, the 40 spies. I mean, not the the 12 spies and the you know. And such, all these terrible things happened to Israel on this date. And if you look at Matthew 24, and I think Matthew 24 is the key passage, because uh-huh. this is Christ's message of the end times, and yes. just before he's crucified. And so he says, you know, it, there's going to be signs. His disciples ask him, "What's the signs of the end of the age?" And he mm-hmm. gives them the sign. And he tells them there's going to be, you know, wars and rumors of wars, but he. he changes it there and he says there'll be nation rise against nation kingdom against kingdom well some one author that i read arnold fruchtenbaum he goes through and explains how this is world war is basically what christ is describing here and therefore if world war one is a sign of the end that um that's a long time ago (laughs) no i don't think anybody listening is probably born before 1914 at this point but uh so 1914, on the 9th of Av, but then there was this other factor that came when three years later, we have the Balfour Declaration from Great Britain that, you know, there needs to be a Jewish homeland in Israel. And in 1917, General Allenby walks into Jerusalem without firing a shot and t- takes Jerusalem from the Ottoman Empire after 400 years of rule. And it so happened that it was on Hanukkah. Well, that's when the alarms went off because when I had done my days of Daniel gridding, um, uh, the day, some of the days that came up was the ninth of Av and the Hanukkah date. Well, here we have uh-huh. two of these dates highlighted by events of World War One. Well, that immediately got me the ball rolling. And since World War One, such a long time ago, it was if we have the promise in Jesus of a generation. Obviously, World War One is greater than seventy years. However, if we go in Genesis. The first mention we have of a generation, and you know the book of Genesis is the book of generations. Um, Abraham, when he has Isaac, he's a hundred years old. When uh-huh. Abraham's promised the four hundred years, and that's it says four generation. That's that's a hundred years per generation. And likewise, Noah has his sons a hundred years before the flood. So uh-huh. I said, what if we take a hundred years and go a hundred years from these events of World War One to the future? Well, that comes to two thousand fourteen. And 2017. Now, the period, of, the date that I have of the ninth of Av and Hanukkah from World War One, it comes out to, in Daniel chapter eight. There's the period of 2,300 evenings and mornings, which I believe is 1,150 days. Well, if you take that timeline from him, if Jesus Christ returns at the second coming on Yom Kippur, and that's the the days that hinges off of. If we go back 1,150 days, we come to the 9th of Av. Well, so that would span from uh, 9th of Av 2014 to Yom Kippur 2017. So when I'm, the conclusion on Daniel 8 is it talks about the Antichrist bringing the temple low. And that's, again, like 
and we have when the other day of the temple was destroyed. So, and we come to the ninth of Av, and then if we go these periods, um, in Daniel it talks about 1,335 days. It's it's a period of 75 days longer than our 1,260 days. And if Yom Kippur ends the one that the the second half of the trip it ends on Yom Kippur, if we go 75 days further, we come to these the Hanukkah date. And um, but if you go if you look at the Jewish calendar for these years, the calendar lines up so that these holidays match. And in, in other years they do not match up like this, but they do in wow. 2004. That is that is really awesome. Um, that is that's, that's that's crazy. Um, what about when um, in Noah's day when God said there'd be 120 years? Was um, man's years would be 120 years? Was he? Yeah, could you claim on that? Was he talking about jubilee years? Or was he talking about <coughs> excuse me, 120 years? Um, I've heard both things, because <laughs> uh, some say if it's 120 jubilees, that would be um, 6,000 years, which would take us up to about this time. And in my book, I do show how we can arrive to 6,000 years, and um, it goes through different, some, it get too much in the interview to get into that, but I do show yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting too is um, 120 years before these dates was when Zionism was reborn in uh, Switzerland in 1897, wow. and yeah. um, and you know there's other dates in the book too that are come off of this Babylonian captivity period. Um, not only this same as what I just said, the uh, beginning birthday of Zionism hinges off some of these dates as well, and, and as well as the first settlement in Israel. Um, in Damascus 
being taken out. And I don't know if any biblical scholars out there <laughs> or teachers ever came up with this notion that since Damascus is taken out, the leader that arises out of that um, uh, Damascus being destroyed could possibly be the answer Christ speculation, but anyway, who knows? But um, this, the uh, we are in the last days of the last days, and it possibly could be a couple months from here. Uh, I think we are, the message is, is to go preach the gospel to all the ends of the earth, um, preach to your neighbor, um, preach to the person next to you at work. Um, when I say preach, I mean witness. Uh, talk to his, your your family. That's number one. But the number one uh, evangelism that you can do, uh, the number one thing you can do is pray. I call it evangelism, evangelism without moving. I mean, you, you're moving on the ground because you, you, your heart is the only thing moving towards God in your mind, your heart and your mind. And, your, and, your, and if you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will give you help. As far as sending money to ministry, do it. I mean, sometimes you don't even have to leave the house to proclaim the gospel. And your wallet is a good testimony, and including, I'm talking to myself too, your wallet is a good testimony to uh, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'd like to take a time to thank uh, World Harvest Radio for giving me the opportunity to preach the gospel and also WWCR and ACN. And i also like to thank Blog Talk Radio for giving me this opportunity uh, to preach the gospel. I don't take anything for granted. Uh, and um, uh, Daniel, why don't you give your uh, website and your book information out? You can find my book at the website. The website is 2010rapture.org. That's 2010, just the number, 2010rapture.org. And you can buy the book from there. And you're buying it from directly from me, and I'll, I'll sign it and mail it to you as soon as possible. <laughs> but. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, uh, let's finish up this um, this interview. I'd like to get you back on again, and we we can talk about multiple issues. What do you what do you um, what do you hold about all these earthquakes going on? You think that's a sign? Well, that's one of the signs Jesus has in Matthew twenty-four is earthquakes, and uh, yeah, and they're and going they, off like firecrackers. Yeah, and they've been and they've been going off for a while, but they definitely seem like they are increasing, especially in where they're hitting too. It's not, uh, and I, so that's all. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, the um, the time period of the times of awe of this year um, falls on the 19th. The 9th of all falls on the 19th of July. Any connection um, in the past to, to that date to now? You know, in the book, I did not have that date, but I, on my website, I've done further research, which you can find there. Uh, and that day did pop up, and the day is hinges off of the last couple wars of Israel, I've determined, off of the Hezbollah-Israeli war in 2006, and as well as the Operation Cast Lead in 2008 and 2009. And uh, I have that day marked down. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, I would be watching for that day. Um, yes, that's all I indeed. Can say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, I'd like to get you back on the show in, in, in the near future.
future because this is uh, very important uh, that people know that we are closer than a lot of people think. Uh, so uh, God bless you so much. Um, I'll, I, I'll be talking to you in the near future. God bless you. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, this is um, so Armstrong. Uh, that was a show. Okay, we got to take a break, and we'll be right back. Okay, now. Uh, all right, uh, that was a show done a while back. Um, uh, and uh, I uh, learned a lot from that show, uh, believe it or not. Um, and uh, I changed quite a bit. Uh, so, um, for those who um, believe in date setting and setting specifics when Jesus Christ is coming back, um, I don't down for doing that because I was one of them um, because they're excited and I think we should get excited and Jesus is coming back soon uh, and uh, when we scold people for being wrong now if you talk about 88 reasons why and then you come back out with a book you know two years later a year later uh, rebuttal on why you're wrong in the first place then you got problems you got big problems but when uh, you understand that no one knows when he's coming back, not even uh, the angels in heaven, but only the Father only, um, then you uh, are in uh, the right place. Yeah, but the deal is that we are close, and um, there are proofs, many, many proofs. We're close. Now, is it five years away? Is it ten? Or is it just this year? Uh, we don't know. And, uh, and we don't pretend to know. But uh, God bless everybody out there. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and play a quick commercial, and I'll be back to say the last couple words, and we will be going off. We'll be right back. Connecting the dots and showing you why we are more vulnerable than ever. Greetings, fellow Americans. This is David Robertson, inviting you to come be a part of an American Warning Radio, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Central. You've seen the pieces. Now, come see the bigger picture an American Warning Radio with your host, David Robertson, on this and many other networks that value liberty. All they're getting is mainstream media stuff. That's all they're getting, including Fox News. The American Warning Program with David Robertson, uh, just a great show. Uh, all kidding aside, the, the numbers are really going, starting to go up on that program, and I think one once people realize that that's on now live Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock on this very station, you're going to be tuning in a lot more. That guy makes a lot of sense, and he's really good at what he does. Warning. Warning. America's habit forming. Habit, habit forming. Use the truth carefully. Get more information at anamericanwarning.com. That's A-N-AmericanWarning.com. Tonight we will talk about end time prophecy and what God's saying will happen in this world. 
Bible lays out our future, and host Phil Armstrong examines what the scripture tells of his coming every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on The Prophecy Zone. What is the New World Order? The people who are talking about the New World Order, Bible prophecy, may be in danger. What do you need to be rapture ready? I believe that the Bible interprets the Bible, and we have to stick with the Bible. How much time is left? See more at theprophecyzone.com and youtube.com slash prophecyzone. Hear more here on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on The Prophecy Zone. Who is the Antichrist? I believe the Antichrist will not be known until the tribulation period starts. This is The Prophecy Zone. Oh. Okay. Um, just a quick word. Um, we are going in the future, so just hang in there with us. Um, we are going to be have some excellent hosts, if God permits, to be a part of the network. We're also going to be going to a um, format uh, where there is a website and you can come listen to us whatever hours of the day we are on. We won't, we won't be 24 hours, but we will be at least, you know, Three, four, to five, six, seven hours a day, given Bible prophecy, um, and uh, also we will be having a news, um, quick news update every day. So we're looking for readers, people who can read news real fast. Uh, if you can, see me. Think you can articulate the news uh, for Christ. Watchmen on the wall. Uh, let us know. Um, we we're not looking for somebody who wants to uh, fight about secondary issues, but who is fired up for Christ. Um, and you have a good voice. You want to articulate something. NPR News, something like that, but in a biblical uh, uh, sense of the idea of the of the matter. But uh, God bless everybody out there. I um, I'm so glad to see some young folks, uh, somebody from the armed forces. Um, uh, actually, I have to wait for my little monitor to swing back around. But um, um, thank you for coming. It says uh, armed forces Europe. Somebody's from uh, the uh, Africa, coast of Africa, is listening to us right now. Um, so. Thank you very much for tuning in. But God bless everybody out there. Y'all have a blessed, blessed week. God bless.
travelers. 